All right. I am very excited today to introduce Mark Nussbaum. Professor Nussbaum is a frequent lecturer through UCI Extension. Last year, Mark authored the book, Total Solar Eclipse 2017, Your Guide to the Next U.S. Eclipse. This is what really gets me out of my chair today. I want to hear all about this, and I know you do too, because in exactly five weeks, everybody, and I mean everybody, is going to be talking about it. So please give a warm, cosmic cyber welcome to Mark Nussbaum. Great. How, how are you today, Mark? Fantastic, Kevin. Thank you for inviting me. You're very welcome. Well, as I always tell my guests, Mark, the stage is yours. Please tell us all about this special event coming up in August. Well, first of all, this is a total solar eclipse. And a lot of people out there have seen eclipses before, either a partial eclipse or perhaps an, what they call an annular eclipse. But what makes this one so special is that it is a total solar eclipse. The last time we had a total solar eclipse in the United States was 38 years ago, up in the northwest corner of the country around Washington state area. The weather was okay, but for this particular one that's coming up, the weather should be fantastic here on the west coast. And to see totality, which is the exciting part of the eclipse, uh, people need to take a drive up into the either northern Oregon area or out to east towards Idaho to see totality. But even if you stay down here in the Irvine area, you're going to get to see a partial total eclipse, which is also pretty spectacular. What will the process be like down here? So how much, when it's partial, like 75% partial, or can you describe that? Sure. Partiality is down here which basically means that the moon is going to cover the sun about 65 to 68%, depending upon your exact location. So you'll see the, let me describe what it's like to see a total solar eclipse. That might be helpful. Well, the first thing that happens is the sun starts to slide behind the moon. And as that occurs, you start to see less and less of the sun showing. And you get to the point where, again, only about maybe 60 to 70% of the sun is covered. And then here in Irvine, it'll start to back off and the sun will start to be revealed again. And that's a fun thing to go see. However, going up to see so t totality, you see a totally different experience. Because what happens when the moon totally blocks the sun, all of the light from the sun disappears and you don't have the glare of the sun in your eyes anymore and what you actually see is the atmosphere of the sun the corona spreading out into space and it's absolutely gorgeous it'll reach out into space maybe two or three times the diameter of the sun big white billowing cloud-like thing around it it's always out there but we never get to see it because the sun's glare is blocking us from seeing it so to see that you go to see totality and it'll be absolutely a moving experience at least it was for me when I first saw one. I've seen three total solar eclipses so far across the world. Normally, you have to travel all over the world to see these. What's so unique about this one is the fact that it's right here in our, quote, backyard. And the first time I saw one, and my wife will tell you at some point, I cried. It was so emotional to see that event occur, the beauty of it. There's something very spiritual about seeing a total solar eclipse when it occurs. Uh, not just the beauty, but I think there's something deep inside when the light goes out in the middle of the day. It's just not supposed to do that. Mm. We're hardwired as humans for that not to happen. Mm. When you say the sun will disappear, how dark will it be? Will it be just a little dark or will it be dark? Well, it's, that's an interesting question. It turns out that here 
in the Irvine area, because you're only going to have a partial eclipse, it won't get too much darker than regular daylight. You may not even notice it getting too, too dark at all. However, if you travel to see totality, it's going to get black as night. Wow. And when that happens, you, in the distance, you'll see the shadow of the moon coming towards you at a very high speed, about 1,000 miles per hour to somewhere between 1,000 and 2,000 miles per hour, that, that shadow will be moving. And as that shadow gets to you, you'll notice in the distance a sunset, just like we see here off the beach. However, if you look around, you will see a 360-degree sunset, which is something that, of course, we never get to see. Wow. Wow. Interesting. Now, I know we can't look, whether it's a partial or a full solar eclipse, I know there are safety issues with glasses or sunglasses. Can you tell us what is required? That's a great question. It turns out that most everybody out there knows that you shouldn't actually ever look at the sun directly. The sun is very, very powerful. It'll do retinal damage fairly quickly, both thermal damage and uh, chemical damage to your eyes. So during an eclipse, there's nothing special that happens with the sun. It's just that you're not supposed to look directly at the sun when it's out there in all its full glory. During the eclipse, although some of the sun gets covered it's still extremely bright and can still do damage to your eyes. So during what's called the partial phase of the eclipse, before you get to totality, while some of the sun is still showing, you need to have safety glasses on. And these will protect your eyes. You can get those safety glasses. Usually I'd suggest getting them online somewhere. They're very inexpensive, a couple of dollars. You can pick them up for three or four, or maybe six, six bucks online. And that's what you want to have to watch the partial phases. What's really important that everybody understands is those glasses are so dark that once you get to totality, if you're under the umbra, underneath the shadow, when you get to totality, you need to take those glasses off, otherwise you're not going to see anything. And it's perfectly safe to look at a total solar eclipse during totality because the sun is is blocked at that point. Mm -hmm. Now, there literally are total solar eclipses all the time. It's just a matter of positioning where the Earth is, where you are on the Earth. Is is, is that correct? Uh, Kevin, I see you read my book. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's absolutely right. So uh, let me go back to something. This is the first eclipse I mentioned in the U.S. in 38 years, first total solar eclipse. It's also the first time in 99 years that we've had a total solar eclipse move across the entire country from west from west coast to east coast. So that's a very unique event. What happens is these eclipses occur roughly every 16 months or so somewhere on the globe. However, most of the time that's over water. Oftentimes it's over Antarctic or Arctic Circle, so places that are inhospitable that you can't get to. All three eclipses that I've seen so far, have I had to travel to go see those. One was in Australia, one was in Turkey, one was in the Caribbean. The fact that this one's in the United States makes it very, very special. The next time we're going to get to see an eclipse in the United States actually isn't too far from here. It's about seven years away in 2024. That one is going to go from Texas, reach up towards the New York area. That'll be a great opportunity. A lot of people are going to go to see that as well. But the weather prospects aren't going to be as good compared to the one that we're having next month. The one next month the fact that we're seeing it here on the West Coast in the dry areas around Oregon, Idaho, et cetera, and it's going to make its way all the way down to South Carolina, by the way. Mm-hmm. But on the West Coast, the weather prospects are just excellent. That makes this one very special as well. One other thing. this I should have mentioned this earlier. This is also the world's first ever 
all-American eclipse, which means this particular eclipse, totality, only occurs here in the United States. It doesn't touch down anywhere on other foreign country, just here in the U.S., so that's when you see it build, you might all-American solar eclipse. Gotcha. Let me backtrack just a little bit. When you're talking about sunglasses, what about for people who wear glasses? I know, you know, that's an issue with 3D issues and so forth. Do you have any suggestions for that? Sure. A couple of things. First of all, we need to make sure that everybody's clear on this. You can't use sunglasses to look at the sun. It's not dark enough. You can't use multiple pairs of sunglasses or polarized sunglasses or CDs or anything bizarre like that. You really do need to get certified filters. And if you look online, you can find ISO, ISO certified filters for sun viewing. And they're all over the place right now, obviously, because the eclipse is coming up. They will fit right over your glasses. It's not a problem at all. Just come, they slip right over. They're cardboard. They're, as mentioned, inexpensive. They just fold back. Okay. No problem at all. I would offer the following tip, though, for people. If you're going to go see this eclipse, highly recommend that you purchase a pair of binoculars. And along with that, a pair, uh, you need a set of filters to go with those binoculars for the same reasons you need to, to be able to have filters on over your eyes when you're looking with your naked eyes. The reason I recommend the binoculars is your enjoyment of watching the eclipse will go up dramatically. Just something like a 7 or 8x magnification is enough to make the image of the sun and moon that much larger. And you'll really be able to see a lot more details, particularly in the corona, if you're around an area that, that's that, where you can see totality. Gotcha. I know I'm going to want to be there, and I'm planning to be there. I'm a little concerned with, you know, I got my sunglasses. I, you know, now I'm talking about, and I want to experience it. And then, you know, I got my binocular. You know, I want to get the total experience. I'm doing all this stuff, and by the time it's over, I'm like, oh, gosh, I forgot to enjoy it. Have you struggled a little bit with that when you've experienced Jim? Well, I've been giving lectures around the county on this to quite a few people, mm -hmm. and one of the questions in this regard that comes up is, should I photograph? I'd like to photograph the eclipse. How do I go about doing that? If this is your first eclipse, what I recommend is not to try to photograph it. Just enjoy it because, and I didn't describe this entire process, but the partial phase will last for about one hour and 10 minutes. Right after the partial phase, you get totality where it's really spectacular, as I mentioned. I mentioned that you see things like the corona. You also see something called Bailey's beads. You also see a phenomena called the diamond ring, and that's absolutely phenomenal. It looks like somebody's thrown a diamond engagement ring up to, into this black sky. But when all of that happens, the partial phase of the eclipse will last for about an hour and 10 minutes. And if you're aware you're going to see totality right after that hour and a half, you'll see a total eclipse. That only lasts about two minutes. Mm -hmm. And during that two minutes, it's really important to not be distracted and just really enjoy the experience. Right. So one of the recommendations I tell people is, is don't bother trying to do too many things during totality. Just enjoy it. Binoculars are great to have. Watching with the naked eye is something great to do. But don't bother trying to do something fancy like photograph it. Ask your friends uh, around you that may have seen a couple of eclipses before. If they're taking photographs, maybe you can get a, a copy of their image. But really spend time enjoying that two minutes. So it sounds like your recommendation is total eclipse begins, kind of get a sense of that for about 45 seconds, maybe then take the binoculars out, have 30 seconds of that, enjoy that, and then maybe go back to just the moment of looking with your eyes. That That's a great assessment, yes. Okay, excellent. Now, I know you're going to be involved with as a volunteer with the Lowell Observatory, is that true? 
That's correct. Can you tell a little bit about that? Well, I'm going to be up in the Madras, Oregon area for this eclipse. It has one of the best prospects for weather. That is probable probability of not having any clouds during the eclipse uh, in August. Lowell Observatory has booked the entire Madras high school football field. I'm a volunteer with them. We're going to have telescopes set up the night before and giving and we'll be giving t star tours. The people from Lowell will be giving lectures as well in the adjacent Performing Arts Center. And of course, the day of the eclipse, we'll be there with a whole bunch of people. The Orange County Expedition, we're calling the, uh, the small informal group of people that we've talked to about coming up there. And we'll be, we'll be there calling out the events, the eclipse, telling people when to put on their filters, when to take them off, all of those good things. Will people be looking at the eclipse with telescopes? Uh, usually not. The telescopes will be used maybe for doing some photography. But you'll, the binoculars, the image is large enough of the moon and the sun that you really don't need a telescope to enjoy the eclipse. Gotcha. Professor, excuse me just for a moment while I update our listeners. If you're joining us late, today my guest is UCI professor Mark Nussbaum. He is the chairman of science curriculum for OLLI, O-L-L-I, which stands for Osher Lifelong Learning Institute and is part of UCI Continuing Education. Before we get back to discussing the upcoming solar eclipse, Professor, can you tell us about what OLLI is? Well, the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute is a organization that's affiliated part of UCI designed to provide adult education, that is people that are over 50 years old can join this organization. It's a totally volunteer organization, which is one of the fun things about it. So people that get involved in it wind up spending their time getting benefits as a volunteer in addition to getting educated. We give classes throughout the year. The classes consist of everything from social sciences to arts to STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math classes. Usually we have roughly around 60 classes per semester. People can come and have and enjoy as many classes as they like. There's no homework. There's Yay! No, there's no tests. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> and the organization itself, Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, has been around for quite a while. The one at UCI here is enjoying its 20-year anniversary this next year. We have about 770 members that are those are students that attend these classes. And tuition's very reasonable, considering you can take all the classes you want. It's $225 for a whole year's worth of classes. So it's $225 a year, and then you can take as many classes as you like? As many classes as you'd like. I don't think a lot of people know about it. It's the magic of a volunteer organization. And the lecturers that we have are people from all over the area. A lot of UCI professors come in and give lectures at the OLLI. Mm -hmm. In addition, we'll have people coming from other universities in the area. And there's a lot of expertise within the OLLI organization itself. So my expertise is in this astronomy and eclipse area, so I give lectures on space and things like that. So a lot of our members give their own lectures. So it's an opportunity to, again, participate as a volunteer, giving lectures and helping the organization run in addition to just taking classes. Excellent. What about location? Is are the classes taught here, or are there many different locations? Or? We just moved into a brand new building. The classroom is located at the Irvine train station oh. off campus. And one of the reasons that that location was chosen was because parking there is, one, free, and two, very abundant. We're actually inside the parking structure at the bottom of the parking structure. Wow. I was looking online, and it looked like the classroom was in the parking structure, but it's a parking structure. Are, are there 
classrooms or rooms in the structure? Uh, the specific office for Ollie and classroom for Ollie are in the base of that parking structure. Wow, I wasn't aware of that. Okay, well, g- getting back to the upcoming solar eclipse for students who may be looking for, you know, gosh, this, the summer's been going fine, but nothing spectacular is happening. I, I noticed that uh, Madras, Oregon is about 900 miles from Irvine, which is about 13 and a half hours driving time. What about accommodations there? Is there camping? Can you Do you know much about that? Sure. There's, um, at this point, all of the hotels have been booked in the area. And by the way, uh, the area that we're talking about is roughly 45 minutes north of Bend, Oregon. A lot of people know where Bend is. So once you get up into the area there, it's relatively sparse, small towns. And because of that, there aren't probably really any place left to stay at a hotel or a motel. However, there are several places to camp. And there's some organizations that have been formed up there. If you look online and you do a little search around Madras, I believe it's called one of the organizations called Solar Fest. They have campgrounds available, and there's more than that. There's like two or three places like that that you can still get camping spots. A lot of people I've talked to, yourself included, are even thinking about just driving up there, sleeping in the car, and then watching the eclipse and driving back. Now, how many people are going to be there and how large the crowd's going to be, no one knows. It could be like a Woodstock with 500,000 people. Mm. But... I suspect because the eclipse path is so wide across the country that people that are interested are going to be spread out for the most part. And so accommodations uh, should be reasonable. Traffic hopefully will be reasonable getting in and out of there. Very good to hear. How did you originally become interested in astronomy? About a year ago, I was walking my dog and looked up in the sky. It was late morning, and I saw the moon, about a three-quarter moon, and I thought, well, there's the moon. It's during the day. I usually, if you'd asked me, I'd, I mean, I knew I had seen the moon during the day, but what's the moon doing there? And so I started researching and I actually gave a Toastmasters speech about the moon and the sun. And actually, one of my favorite moments in Toastmasters was giving a proportional look at the tennis ball was the moon, a basketball 20 feet away was the earth. And then I had told everybody at the end of my speech, I'm going to ask you to go to the plate glass window behind the room. And we looked at two poles that were 70 feet apart. And I said, two miles away would be the sun and it would be, that would be the diameter. And for the first time, it was like a wow moment for me. Like, oh my gosh, this universe is just beyond comprehension. But that was the first time I actually had a somewhat of a comprehension of what this solar system and just the moon, sun, and earth were. What really got me uh, excited about this whole area was when I saw my first eclipse. And I'll never forget this. My sister and her husband had went to a lecture at the Hayden Planetarium and heard all about eclipses and decided they would go on one of these eclipse trips. It was a cruise. They invited us along, and I was thinking, oh, big deal. It's an eclipse. It's not going to be, what's the big deal? I've seen these before, I thought. Got on this cruise, and seeing totality just blew me away. And ever since that day, that was back in 1998, ever since that day I've been interested in this area, done a whole lot of research, and the story that you just told, the fact that the moon is up during the daytime, of course it's up during the daytime. People don't realize it. You just don't see it because the sun blocks it out. Mm -hmm. So that's how it all got started. And I pursue this whole area because, to me, being able to think about something that's larger than us, 
that takes us out of our day-to-day, for instance, the politics of this particular country, Mm -hmm. taking us out of our normal lives and thinking about our place in the universe just somehow grabs me spiritually. Gotcha. I will say to the listeners out there that I think, Professor, you, you will agree with is the first time I did watch a sunrise, literally, I was at uh, Whitney Portal, Mount Whitney. I woke up and it was pitch black out and I knew where the sun was going to come up and watching the sky go from the ink black of night to where you, know, you first see the vague cotton-like shimmer of light to the brilliance of this star coming over the horizon. It is emotional, just very emotional. It's like getting out to nature in the biggest way. I'll never forget the time I was driving across the desert several years ago. It was pitch black out, noticed there were stars up there, pulled over, took a look, and the sky was just something I had never seen before. The Milky Way was clear, the stars were incredibly bright. It was something out of a dream. And a few moments like that really mean a lot. Mm-hmm. They, they refresh the soul somehow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If people want to find out more about the eclipse, about your book, can you refer us? Yes, sure. The book that I've got is Total Solar Eclipse 2017, and you can find it through a website, which has some additional information. You can download a free a couple two-page document that tells you all the details about the eclipse that are co- that's coming up. And the website is www.audiblerush.com. It's A-U-D-I-B-L-E-R-U-S-H.com. Audiblerush.com. Excellent. What about the observatory? Is there a website for them that you know offhand? Uh, the best way to, f- to find the observatory is just look online and do a search for Lowell Observatory 2017 Eclipse, and that'll take you to their special site. They're selling tickets to get access to that football field up in Madras that I talked about, which you really want to do. And there's directions and a map and all that good stuff on the Lowell site. Very good. And then finally, what about Ollie, if people want to find out about that? The best way to find out about Ollie is online at our website, which is ce dot uci dot edu slash o-l-l-i professor have we covered just about do we leave anything out we've left a whole bunch of stuff out. <laughs> i love it it's, you're the ma- calling me on it the main message is uh i encourage everybody to get in their cars make a trip up to somewhere along the center line which you can find on several maps online just type in 2017 eclipse map You'll figure out where to go. It's well worth the trip. That's the main message here. And it will be on a Monday morning, so you'll have the weekend to get up there, and then it'll be that Monday morning, and then you can just hightail it back if you're if time is an issue. So, Professor, thank you so much for being with us today and exploring this amazing cosmic event coming up, and also for introducing us to the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.